Good morning. This morning we continue our study in the ABCs of Bible study. It's precepts of promise this morning. Precepts of promise. When we think about promise and what God's word tells us about promise and so forth, we usually just keep that in church. Because when we actually think about what we do when we go out of here and, and how we live our lives, we put a lot of faith in people. A lot more faith in people than we do in God's promises. In fact, that's a lot of our frustration in life, a lot of our stress. If you think about the conversations you have with people and what you talk about more than anything is usually disappointments in people. I This person didn't do this or I expected this to happen over here. This didn't go this way. You watch the news. Disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. And all, you're, all we do is talk about all the things that we thought this person would do. And a lot of times we even say, well, I didn't really expect them to amount to much anyway. And then when they don't amount to much, we're like, I can't believe they didn't amount to much. You know, I didn't expect them to amount to much. Think about this past week. Just think about the past several days of how many times we have talked about or shared with others about how other people did not live up to what we thought they should do. And now, think back to that same week and think about how many times we talked about Jesus. Because the thing about Jesus is, He is a person in which we have high expectations and He always delivers on those expectations. And, and, and I know, I understand, I get it. You get into a conversation, everybody's talking about their disappointments with this or their disappointments with that, you know, talking about the boss or talking about their politicians or talking about whoever and sharing about it. And you, and you interject, well, have you thought about Jesus? <laughs> I know the response you're going to get. I know how they'll look. I know things that people say. But you know, it really doesn't change the narrative, right? It doesn't change the fact that that's exactly what we should do. In fact, we as the body of Christ should change the narrative of discussion in our circles. They should get tired of us talking about Jesus. We need to be identified as the people who always talk about Jesus, never shut up about Jesus, and always talk about how amazing He is. So that when they really do get to a point where it's like, I need something, and maybe there's something to this Jesus thing, and, well, I know this guy over here, he always talks about Jesus. Or this, this woman over here, she's always talking about Jesus. So then you become the person they identify as their source of Jesus, and that's who you're supposed to be. And we really don't have anything else. We, we, we want to be relevant according to the world, so we... We try to say things that make people think that we are, you know, we're familiar with this, we're familiar with these books, and familiar with this teaching, and familiar with that idea, and familiar with this cultural icon, and so forth. And we try to stay relevant to people, but really what people, those things are, are going to come up empty. And what people really need is they need a Jesus source in a community. And if you're the Jesus source and nobody ever called, I mean, if you think of it like this, if you're the, if you're the Jesus station... People are going to call you when they need Jesus. And if they don't think they need Jesus, they're not going to call you. 
But you identify, when the church has always historically, when it's been successful, has identified itself as followers of Jesus Christ. Because that's who we're supposed to be. And we need to continually talk about how much we believe in Jesus. And when we are talking about how much we are disappointed with other people, it looks as though we also have put our faith in other people and not in Jesus And that takes place in the church. Even within the church we do that. We put faith in pastors or in church leaders or in Sunday school teachers or in deacons. And we we talk about how much I wish this person would do more of this. And I wish this person. If we could get these people together and do this, then look at what we could accomplish. And what we say when we're saying that is, is that our hope is in these people being able to do what it is they should do. And if that's where our hope is, it's going to fail. Because our hope is to be in Jesus. If our hope is in Jesus and Jesus' ability to bring people together to accomplish. And, and I've had people stop me and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we don't do what we're supposed to do. And I want, are you going to finish that statement? Are you going to tell me that if we don't do what we're supposed to do, that Jesus is going to fail in his mission? Because that's not true. We have always failed in what we endeavor, have endeavored to do. Always. That's why Jesus came. I mean, read the entire Old Testament. The people of God failed over and over and over and over again. When he got here, walking amongst us, they failed him over and over and over again. The only one who did not fail was Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, I hope I can overcome the world. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And that's what we are to share with people. That's what we're to share with, it, with each other. When somebody says, oh my goodness, this Sunday school, this Sunday school teacher is awful and they're, they're destroying our church. You say, well, it's okay. Jesus has overcome the world. He's, he's going to take care of this. Let's look to him. And see what he will do about it. See how he will accomplish it. I remember my very first church. I, I thought there was this deacon. And I said, we can't do anything because of him. I really believed that. I was believing that this one man was thwarting the will of God and going to keep us from ever doing what it was God intended for us to do. And I remember a friend, a pastor friend, who said, if you will be faithful... Don't worry about his faithfulness. If you are faithful to God, I mean, read the Bible. <laughs> Don't you love to be reprimanded when you are a pastor by another pastor that you should read the Bible? But he was right. I went to the Word. There's never a place in God's Word where a man or a woman was faithful to God and God failed them. There's never a place where God comes back to them and said, I know you're being faithful, but... Everybody else is not being faithful. And so because they're not being faithful, you can't do what it is that I want you to do. Now Moses wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of the rebellion of the Israelites and so forth. But it wasn't the reason he didn't go into the promised land. The reason why Moses didn't go into the promised land was because of Moses' own failure. Joshua and Caleb, remember them? They stayed faithful to God. And they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. But God said, I will preserve you. 
And I will give you victory in the promised land in spite of everybody. Everybody else is going to die out in the wilderness, but not you, because you are faithful. I will give you victory. You have to wait for it. But I will give you the victory. And he did. He gave them the victory. They went into the promised land. And God has always revealed himself and obviously through the person of Jesus Christ as faithful to us. That's what this psalm, section of Psalm 119 is really about. It's really about the promise of Christ. And look with me in verse 121. He says... I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Guarantee your servants well-being. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes grow weary looking for your salvation and for your righteous promise. Deal with your servant based on your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding so that I may know your decrees. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have violated your instruction. Since I love your commands more than gold, even the purest gold, I carefully follow all your precepts and hate every false way. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. And Lord, may you reveal through your word that what we are all looking for is Jesus. Where I, I know we, we talk about Jesus so much at church that his name almost becomes this thing we block out as though it's not relevant in our daily lives as though as though Jesus is not the answer to every problem that we have it's something we talk about with a very Sunday school attitude we we have this idea that if we that if we bring up Jesus that we're trying to trying to take some shortcut or some cheap way of answering a problem when really he the reason why the, the name comes up is because he is the answer to every problem well that's the whole point of the gospel is that Jesus is the answer and we think people have heard it too many times, but the reality is they haven't heard it enough. It's only the enemy who's trying to keep us from talking about Jesus. It's not you. So Lord, may, may you work through your people to change the narrative. May he be the one we talk about more than any other, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was teaching in special education, we were taught over and over again for every negative, and you always thought of negative things to say. You always thought of, you could always see people's shortcomings because of their disabilities. And I did kids with learning and behavior disorders, and, and, and they would frustrate me so bad because they, would, because they had learning disorders, they, they had behavior disorders too. And, and so they would get frustrated and act out. And you would want to say something like, you are always interrupting me. But we were taught for every time you say something like that, you need to say three positive things. And then they change things to say nine positive things. And then like 75 positive things for every one. And so it was always trying to counterbalance that. Well, here's, here's kind of the idea going forward today. I just want you to think in terms of every time you speak negatively about another human being, I think you need to say three positive things about Jesus. Just think of it that way. Every time you want to say something negative about your spouse, every, a negative about a child, negative about your pastor, obviously. Uh, anything time you want to say negative about your church, negative about your work, negative about politics. Every time you want to talk about a politician in a negative way, for every negative thing you say, say three positive things about Jesus. 
I really hope you'll do that. Three things this psalmist is asking for that Jesus delivers on. And the first is he's asking for a man of promise. A man of promise. When we say someone is a promising young man, that was a that was a curse that one of my teachers gave to me when I was in high school. I remember I was a freshman or sophomore, and I remember her pulling me aside and saying, you have so much promise. I know that someday I'm going to read about you and you're going to be something amazing. She thought she was encouraging me, but she was putting something on top of my shoulders that I carried for a very long time. I remember a few years back, my mother was at a dinner and a man shared with her, he said, you know, we really thought your son was going to amount to something. (laughs) And he goes, well, let me qualify what I mean. He said, I thought he was going to be like a U.S. senator or something like that. We all thought that he was going to be the one to really do something. And my mom looked at him and she said, you know, he is an expositor of God's word, a spokesman for God. That's not too small a thing. Do you think so? (laughs) I love my mother. We have this idea and part of our disappointment in ourselves and in each other. And and that's what happened is I, I kept thinking I am not... I'm not far enough along at this stage in life. And I would keep looking when I got to my, in my late teens. I thought I should be further along. And I got in my 20s. I should be further along. 30s should be further along than where I am right now. I'm behind. I remember watching the movie Mr. Holland's Opus. I don't know if you remember that. Robert Dreyfus or Richard Dreyfus was in it. And, um, and it was about this teacher who had these dreams of being this famous conductor and, and leading orchestras and so forth, but he was teaching music in school and, and every year he thought he was going to get out and make it, but he never did. And then, I don't want to spoil it for you, you watch it. It's in. <laughs> but the idea is, is that we, we do, we have this idea that of, of something we want to become and then sometimes the reality of life is that we're never going to get to that place. We have that for ourselves, we have that for other people. So, or, or for our, a church, for a business, for whatever it is we think is important, for our school, for our community. We, we always look at things and think, ah, oh, I wish we were further along. I wish we were more like them. Or, or sometimes we feel good about it, and then other times we feel bad about it. But whatever the case, we are putting a lot of faith, a lot of hope in people. In people. And here's the thing that the Word tells us about people. They disappoint us. They will always disappoint us. We know that. The word is so clear about that. That people will always disappoint. That communities will rise and fall. Nations will rise and fall. We put so much hope in our democratic republic of this nation. And, and, we, get, and we get angry when it's not doing what we want it to do. And our expectations are not being realized. And, oh, we should be better. We should be more. And yet the word so clearly says it will never happen. The word says to us so clearly, there is only one man of promise, and that is Jesus. Promise, literally, when you say this person shows promise, it literally is showing promise of favorable development or future success. We... uh, 
Think of all the people that we are depending upon future success for. But Jesus is so much more than that. Jesus told us not to make oaths or promises. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And here's the thing that you need to remember about Jesus. His yes is yes. And when you think about people who are making promises to us, and and we get promised a lot, always, I I remember somebody scolded me one time because I said, I don't trust anyone. And they said, you don't trust anyone? I said, no, I don't trust anyone. They said, how do you function like that? How do you function if you don't trust anyone? I said, well, I'm just following the leadership of my Lord who put no trust in any man. Jesus didn't trust anybody. I just trust in Jesus. I trust you as much as you are in Jesus. And when I meet people, all I'm trusting in them is the Jesus in them. And if there's no Jesus in them, I don't trust them at all. But if they have Jesus in them, I trust them as much as they are trusting in Jesus. That doesn't make my life miserable. That makes my life much better. Because people don't disappoint me then. Because I I know, I know that if I'm not walking with Christ in the power of his Holy Spirit, then I am I have no promise. I have no ability to succeed in any reasonable way. I mean, maybe according to the world standards, but I'm not trying to live according to the world standards. You do not have an ability to succeed if you are not in Christ, in the power of His Holy Spirit, doing what He has asked you to do. You do not have the ability to be who you desire to be or who God desires you to be. And neither does anybody else around you. So here's all you have to do. Then if you break it down like that, all you're looking for is, is if that person is in Christ and following Christ. And if they're not, then expect disappointment. And then try to redirect them and try to get them back to where they're walking with Christ again. And when they're walking with Christ, they will be successful in Christ. Because it's not them. It's Christ in them that is being successful. So that when we all stand in heaven, he's not going to look and go, Troy, you were amazing. Wow, I saw you back there on that particular day, and you were on fire, buddy. You're amazing. Here's some jewels for you. You know, we have that picture. That's not going to happen. When we get to heaven, it will be revealed when Troy was on fire. Oh, wait, that was Jesus in Troy. So Troy's not going to get glory for that. Jesus is going to get glory for that. Troy's going to be on his knees saying, wow, all of it was you. It was you all the time, in every situation, in every place. And I'm not going to be able to get up unless he gets me up. Because he is the man of promise. Look at verse 121. What He says, I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Guarantee your servants well-being. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. And then what is such an honest statement. He says, my eyes grow weary looking for your salvation and for your righteous promise. He's like, God, he, I mean, is that not the same way we look out today and say, God, where is your salvation? Where is your righteous promise? We see, we turn on the news and it's like we see failure after failure after failure. And this is just not a political, I mean, pick a party. 
doesn't matter who's in power. It's, it's the same thing. It just never goes the way we want it to go. I mean, think about it. Have you ever known a period of time where everybody was happy? Where everybody was being taken care of? Where everybody had what they desired being met? And it's easy to go, well, they're just desires. their desires are messed up. Our desires are righteous. It's like, well, really? We delude ourselves so often and do. We pick a team and we get on that team and we say, our team's good, your team's bad. And we then overlook all the mistakes of our team and highlight all the mistakes of the other team. Doesn't matter which team you're on. And we do that in every, every area arena of life. We do that in our families. Obviously, my children are perfect and yours are not. Obviously, my, my, my people are good and your people are bad. We pick a team. Now, I'm not talking about our church. Our church is better than other churches. That goes without saying. We, we are looking for a hero. We're looking for a hero. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to trust in God's deliverance. Trust in Jesus' guarantee of deliverance. Jesus needs to be our hero. Jesus needs to be the one that we think is going to give us victory over our oppressors. You know the problems in Afghanistan? You know who can fix the problems in Afghanistan? Jesus can fix those problems. You know who can get those people out? Jesus can get those people out. I was listening to a guy last night. My sister sent me something. A video of a, a pastor was on talking about how they were. He was, he was not asking for government help. He was asking for the people of God to pray. And he said so many times already they had people who were trying to get across the border to safety. And he said God supernaturally provided a way to get those people from where they were to where they needed to be. And giving glory to Jesus for that. There wasn't any military power that was doing it. There wasn't any, any, any human power that was doing it. It was simply people crying out to God for help and deliverance and God gave them help and deliverance because that's what God does. He gives help and deliverance. And we need to be the biggest proponents of that, the biggest advocates of that, and we need to practice that. We need to trust in Jesus' guarantee of deliverance more than anything else. Who's going to get us to where we need to be, wherever? Who's going to get me that promotion? Who's going to get me that pay increase? Who's going to get me to where we need? Who's going to make our Sunday school classes successful? Who's going to make our church grow? Who's going to make our, our my family come back together? Who's going to bring healing and restoration to these dissolved relationships? Who's going to do all these things that we are suffering from? This person's oppressing me in life, and this my neighbor's giving me such grief and difficulty, or this is happening here, and this is happening there. Who's going to fix all these things? Jesus is going to fix all these things. He is the deliverer. And there is no other deliverer. It is Jesus who gives us the guarantee of deliverance. He is a man of promise. He is not only a man of promise. He is a man of his word. A man of his word. So many men and women have told me things over my lifetime and then not done what they said they would do. 
trust is such a hard thing. I remember in my accountability relationship, I, with my first accountability relationship with a pastor that I really trusted, he said, I'm going to tell you, we're, we'll talk and we're going to talk about everything in here. He said, but it's a one strike and you're out policy. The first time you lie to me, the first time I find out that you betray our trust and take what we say here out of here, it was just over. Because that trust is dissolved and it's done between us. You can go find somebody else. I'll go find somebody else. But that's it. One strike, you're out. Because you can't rebuild that. I will always doubt that forevermore. And so try to honor that. Try to be a man of my word. You know, the only way I can be a man of my word, truly, is through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Is through being, following, trusting a person who is the word. Who is a man of his word. And it goes back to what I said just a second ago. Trust in no one, ultimately. But put your trust in Jesus. So many people have betrayed our trust. And we'll talk about that. Oh, I went to this church and they did this. And I went to the, I did this. And I was in this relationship and I believed in this person. And they did this. And we talk about that all the time. How every, all these people, different people betray our trust. My spouse betrayed my trust. My children betrayed our trust. The, my parents betrayed my trust. My grandparents, whatever. All these people betrayed my trust. And we're always thinking about this. But guess who has never betrayed our trust? Jesus has never betrayed our trust. He has always done that which he says he will do. So there again, he should be the person we are talking about more than anybody else. When people say, this person failed me, this person failed me, our, our comeback should be, then you need to put your trust in Jesus. And he will never betray your trust. You can trust in him. Look in verse 124. Deal with your servant based on your faithful love. Isn't that what we want? God, deal with me based on your faithfulness. Not, not on my faithfulness. Not on the faithfulness of others. But on your faithfulness to me. Teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding so that I may know your decrees. Base your understanding of God on His Word. Here's what is wrong with people's understanding of God. It's based on what people say about God. And the world will malign his name. The world will slander his name. Go to the word. Just believe God for what he says about himself. Because that's who he is. Now you cannot like him. You can say, well if that's who God is, I don't want to follow him. That's your prerogative. You do not have to follow God. You do not, God will tell you, you don't have to follow me. You, I am the only source of life there is. If you don't follow me, you won't have life eternal. For, there's no hope if you don't follow me. But you don't have to believe that either. You can believe God is not a God of His Word. You can believe that He is not faithful and not follow Him. Trust me, the majority of the world does not. So if you don't want to do that, but do not make Him out to be something that His Word does not reveal Him to be. You make him out to be something the word doesn't reveal him to be. Now you're just believing in a myth that has no substance whatsoever. At least look and see what the word reveals. At least see who, because we believe it's his word, see who he reveals himself to be and either believe it or don't believe it. 
But take him at his word and know that's who God is. That's who Jesus is based on his word. When you say, well, I don't think God would be this way or I don't think God would love those people and, 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 or I don't think God would hate those people. I don't think God would do any. Whatever you're saying, what do you, you're just thinking. It's just random thoughts. I can have all kinds of thoughts about all kinds of things. I can think things about you and you can think things about me and we can come up with things. We do that a lot. None of it's really based on truth. And I really never know if I can trust you because I don't know you. There's no authoritative word on you that's been revealed to any of us. So you're just, we're just going based on things you say and you are fallible. And we go based on other things other people say. All that is fallible. There's only one person. We have an infallible authoritative word that this is who he is and you can trust it. And that's God, this person of Jesus, and it's His Word that we have. We have a, we have a God-given, God-inspired, revealed Word about Himself. There is no other being on the planet that we have that about, except Jesus. And finally, He is a man of action. Ah, that's... That's really where it falls apart, isn't it, with people? I asked them to do that five weeks ago. It's still not done. I don't know. You probably never said that. Let me take you to something that's closer to home for us. How high are you going to pile that trash on top of that bag before you empty that container? I mean, you've got the Tower of Babel going here in the kitchen seeing how high you can stack and you know I think I think the rule of thumb is that when you stack it on top and it crumbles then now that now you're the person who has to put take it out simple thing isn't it and yet we all live in that world of feel, surrounded by people who procrastinate or whatever reason will not do that which needs to be done People disappoint us when they don't do what they say they're going to do. Yet, we still call on them. We still ask them to do it. They have proven over and over and over and over and over again they're not going to do it the way we want it to be done. And yet, we still call on people to do it. Let me, again, change that narrative for you. How often do you call on Jesus to do what He says He will do? Look at verse 26. It's time for the Lord to act. For they have violated your instruction. I think that pretty much encompasses everybody on the planet. Since I love your commands more than gold, even the purest gold, I carefully follow all your precepts and hate every false way. Call on God to do what he says he will do do call on God to do what he says he will do you know God is kind of like our I don't know if you know this or not we have an AED Um, some of you know what that means not that is it basically you stick stickers on somebody when they're having a heart attack or whatever and you charge it up and you push the button and it Jolts them back to life. Life-saving device. 
It's in a cabinet in this other room. Most of you don't even know where it is. But it's in a cabinet in the other room. And it's there for us when we need it. I've been here two and a half years. We have never pulled that out of that cabinet. Ever. And we're so grateful for that, aren't we? But here's, here's a metaphor. Jesus is like that AED for us. We put him in a cabinet. And we're saving him for that life-saving moment when we need it. Some of us don't really even know where it is. Don't really know how to use it. Hoping somebody will be around when that time comes. But we just go on with our lives because nothing really life-threatening has happened. Right? Why would we live like Jesus is an AED when he never says, I am the AED in the Bible? You know what he says he is? He says he's water. He's breath. Now, if I said we've got our breath in the cabinet in there and water, okay? And that's the only source of water we got? All of us are going in that room every day. In fact, you're going to make multiple trips during the service. (gasps) And back and so forth. See what I'm saying? You get the point? We're running hoses out of that room into here because we need that breath. We need that water. We need that bread of life. Right? Every single moment of every single day. And that's what we need with Jesus. God, please help me right now in this moment. Help me to know you. Our invitation today is simply this, to enter into a a covenant with God. A covenant with God and commit your life to Him and trust His commitment to you. And that's what this meal is about. It is about God's covenant relationship with us we remember that he gave his body that he shed his blood so that we can have a relationship with him we we were unholy it's it's a lot of complicated theology in some ways because there's a lot of history that goes with it but understand this we are unholy he is holy we could not be in communion we could not live with him we could not receive his promises we couldn't have eternal life we couldn't dwell in the presence of God because he's so much better than we are so Jesus did something to fix it he sacrificed himself he shed his blood to satisfy God so that you and I could have a relationship with him now the question is do you want a relationship with him Do you want to be in that covenant with him? Because he asked for a covenant relationship. And that is, he has promised to be our deliverer. If we promise to follow him, that was his thing. Every disciple he called, he said, follow me. That means walk as I walk, talk as I talk, do as I do. Then we become people of promise then we become people of our word, then we become people of action. Not our actions, not our word, not our promise. His promise, His word, 
his actions because we are his followers. Not following us, not following me, not following you, following him. And so when we take of this, we remember that. Oh, yes. I'm not putting my trust in politicians. I'm not putting my trust in government, period. I'm not putting my trust in this philosophy. I'm not putting my trust in this institution. I'm not putting my trust in my spouse. I'm not putting my trust in my children. I'm not putting my trust in anything. Oh, I'm putting my trust in Jesus. If you have not done that, or if you're not currently doing it, because it is a working out, it's a constantly thing. It's not a, I did it five years ago. It's I have to be doing it today. This is where we, the reason why we're taking this meal today is to examine that. Am I currently putting my trust in Him and in Him alone? Or am I putting my trust in other things? And, I, and I'm just going to tell you, here's a little indicator to tell you whether you are. Are you disappointed right now in anything? I mean, have your conversations revolved around disappointment? Have your thoughts revolved around disappointment? Or like, I'm disappointed. Do you know why you're disappointed? Because your focus is not on him. Your focus is on somebody else. Either you or somebody, either you or somebody else. But if your focus is on him, there's no disappointment. He is who he says he is. He does what he claims to do. He is a man of action. He is a man of his word. He is a man of promise. Pray with me.